I'm Doug Cunnington, and you're listening to the Socially Business Podcast. Perfect. Thanks, Doug. Yeah, it's, um, it's really good to have you on. So thank you for taking the time to come and speak to us. It's my pleasure, man. Excited <laughs> to be here. Good, good. Um, so uh, for people who don't know who you are, um, just give us a tiny little introduction to you know, what kind of content you create and, and what you're all about. Sure. I blog over at Niche Site Project, and that was sort of the genesis of everything, but I also have a YouTube channel and a podcast where I mainly talk about affiliate marketing and SEO. I didn't start there. I actually had a corporate job. I did management consulting and did that for about 10 years. I didn't realize I hated it. Eventually, I kind of found niche sites and affiliate marketing back in 2013 from the Smart Passive Income podcast and kind of hit the ground running. I didn't know anything about this make money online world and started a website within six weeks or so. Fast forward maybe six months, I made some good money and I thought, hey, I'm going to do this forever. And like all good SEO stories, I had some issues and I was making hundreds of dollars a day to zero dollars per day. So I've had ups and downs, but eventually in 2015, I got laid off from my full-time job and decided to give it a shot on my own with niche sites. And I haven't looked back. It's been six years and I love working for myself. Amazing. No, that's such a good story. And I think that will resonate with a lot of people, you know, being stuck in a job that they, they kind of don't like. And I think you were kind of given the kick by the sounds of it by your, by your old job and that, and that makes you really want to go for it. Yep, for sure. I probably would have stayed at the job because like, like many people in different positions that where you've put in some time, you probably get paid decent and you have skills that you've been building over the years. You have a network of people that you've put together over the years and it's kind of hard to step away from that. But when they kick you in the butt and uh, send you out the door, it's a little bit easier to see what's been. Yeah, no, definitely. So um, let's, let's talk about these niche sites uh, properly and go into depth a, a bit more about those. So uh, for people who don't know, you know what they are, how to get involved, um, kind of start from the from ground level. What's the best way to kind of start a niche website? What are they? Um, kind of go from there. Well, we'll start at the very beginning of what they are. So these are typically content websites where people will either Google a term where they're researching a specific product. I'll use an example. I'm not creative, so I'm just looking in front of me. There's a microphone. So maybe best microphone for Zoom calls. So maybe they Google something because they, they need to make a purchase in the near future. They'll do a little research, hopefully buy something from uh, a company like Amazon or some other e-commerce retailer. The other side of the coin is there, there might be searches that are related to how to do something. Maybe it's how to reduce echo on a Zoom call to just stick with this Zoom call situation. And then you may give tips on how you could reduce echo, maybe it's software settings, and you could tell someone how to do things. With the first example where it's product related, you can earn a commission, which is affiliate marketing, once you refer someone over and they make a purchase. If you have how-to articles like you described, Jack, maybe you have display ads running and you earn AdSense money or another network. There are many display ad networks that facilitate those ads. 
and you can make money in both ways. You can have affiliate ads on your how-to content as well. One great way to reduce echo on a Zoom call is to have a good microphone so you could readily recommend a specific microphone that solves the problem for that person and it fits within the content. Maybe they didn't know that they needed to upgrade their microphone. So that's kind of the core situation of the website. Usually I recommend people start with something that they're interested in because it's simple in concept, but you will run into problems. Like anytime you're starting something new, you're going to have some periods of time where it's moving slower than you thought. It takes longer. Maybe you made a few mistakes. We all make mistakes. I still make mistakes every single day, unfortunately, but I try to do fewer of them, make fewer mistakes and hopefully not make the same mistakes again. But when you hit that period of time where you're going slower, if you're interested in the topic, it sure is helpful versus something that you really don't care about at all. So that's kind of the core of niche websites and affiliate marketing. No. So you, your website that you run now, um, is that to, and, and forgive me, cause I only had a, a brief look earlier, but is it to help uh, people who are trying to run their own niche websites? Yep, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. So it's mainly oriented around affiliate marketing in general, but you hit a lot of different topics like writing content, SEO in general. I spend a lot of time on keyword research in that portion of SEO, which is a huge area, even though for a lot of people, you maybe have never heard of it before, but it's a fairly large area in the SEO world and marketing world in general. Excellent. And I'll do a quick, a quick plug as a marketer. I should definitely yeah. do this. Yeah, yeah. There are uh, templates and systems and all the things that I use that I readily give away. So if you go to my website, which I'm sure the easy to link can get all the things that I use. And there's actually a guide that takes you through the roadmap of building a site from you know choosing your niche all the way to publishing content and getting traffic on your site. Um, let's, let's kind of step away from niche websites, but keep it in the background. Your podcast, um, how, when did you start doing your podcast and, and how does it kind of interlink with everything that you do? I started the podcast in early 2019. I think it was January 2nd or something. I have put out an episode sorry, two episodes per week since I started it. So they accumulate pretty fast and I haven't missed an episode yet, which is, it's good. It's really good work. <laughs> I, and I had been blogging since 2013. So I, like most things, I wish I would have started as soon as I thought, hey, I should do a podcast, which was probably in 2013, but it's intimidating to start something new and a blog seemed easier to start, which I don't know if that's true or not. I could say the same thing, which I know we'll get to with YouTube. So whatever, whatever thing, I wish I would have started it sooner, but in other ways, I'm glad I waited because there's only so many things that you can do at one time without going crazy. Yes. So yeah, I started it back in uh, 2019 and it's been really amazing overall. I actually enjoy creating the podcast. And even though at times it's been a grind, mm -hmm. two episodes per week is not necessarily easy to do, but it's, it's been very rewarding in so many ways. Amazing. No, that's great. For, for people looking in and they're sat there thinking, you know, I've got a topic I can speak about. I'm really passionate about something. How should they get started with a podcast? 
from a technical standpoint, there's a couple areas we can hit and dive into certain spots. I think the technical portion is fairly straightforward. Yeah. You can basically go to any one of the podcast hosting companies and read the guide. They will tell you exactly what you need to do from getting listed in the big directories to the file formats, to setting up your website, whether you're using WordPress or something different, but it's fairly straightforward. In fact, you could probably hire a person on Upwork or some other freelance platform, and they could set it up for you in an afternoon. It's, it's fairly mechanical. So that's pretty easy. I'm also gonna lean on other guides, which there are many out there, probably still from the podcast hosting companies, because they want you to start a podcast, right? They're gonna help you start a podcast. So you can just follow along with exactly the flow chart that they give you. And there are many checklists. I'm actually probably starting a new podcast with a friend of mine coming up pretty soon. And even though I have a podcast and I kind of know the mechanics, I wanted to have a checklist so we didn't forget anything. Mm -hmm. And those are things like you got to come up with a cover art and a handful of other things. So I think once you get that in place, you're in pretty good shape. If you already know the topic and you know you're passionate about it, then that's probably half of half of the issue because mm -hmm. sometimes people are unsure. Maybe they're not confident in a specific topic, but I could tell you people are interested. Your audience is out there. Even if it's some weird, obscure topic, you probably can find some TV show from the seventies and rewatch it and people will listen to you. It may, it may be a little rough and maybe awkward at first, but if you just push through, you should be in good shape. Yeah. Uh, another tip I'll give is just around setting goals and making sure that your goals make sense and that they're relatively attainable. It's good to, you know, stretch yourself, but it's not great to set a goal where you're basically going to fail because it's so big. Mm. There's many schools of thoughts around setting goals. And if you aim for something massive and you only get one, one tenth of the way there, you've still accomplished something great, but you failed to reach your goal. And that, that sucks. I don't like doing that. Yeah. So, so I know it's not going to be perfect every time, but I'm showing up and I'm trying to do better. So, yeah. So your, your YouTube channel, um, I came across this after, um, searching through all of your content. Um, is it relatively new? I started on YouTube probably in 2014. So I did dip my toe in that area a little bit sooner. Mm -hmm. And those early videos are still out there. They're horrible. I look like I'm scared of the camera or the microphone. I'm definitely afraid of something. They were painful to make. I remember really getting nervous, even though I was by myself and re-recording and redoing some of these videos. They're just terrible. I didn't stick with it because at the time I still had the full-time job. I didn't get laid off until 2015 and I dabbled here and there. So there's some sp sprinkling of videos. And again, I wish I just would have made videos every week starting in 2014 because okay. who, who knows where I'd be now. Yeah. Uh, actually, I'd be content if I was right here doing the exact same, same thing that I'm <laughs> doing but maybe my channel would be bigger. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't matter. But I started adding more videos in 2016, the end of 2016. 
and it was indeed for support of the rest of the things that I'm doing. So I have a course, I have a couple courses out there in the areas that we mentioned, affiliate marketing and SEO. So I thought, well, I'm going to branch out to a different platform, which is what I recommend. I don't think anyone should go out there and start a blog, a YouTube channel, a podcast, and an email newsletter. If you do all those things, you're just going to go crazy. It'll be overwhelming unless you have like a team of people that can work with you and you have a big budget. So I started putting more time into it because I knew that I'd be able to branch out repurpose the same content that I had on the blog over on YouTube and probably get a different sort of audience. Some people just read, some people listen, some people watch YouTube, and sometimes there's an overlap. There's a few of us that consume all, all those platforms, which I do. Mm-hmm. And eventually I started making more and more videos. And in a similar way, I decided that I was going to do live streams when they were kind of not as popular, they're pretty popular right now, but I was doing live streams in like 2017. And I did one every week for about a quarter. And I noticed people were starting to watch. Of course, the first couple, there were one or two people. And I decided I'm just going to do my content anyway, even if it's just for me and one other person. So I kept showing up, even though no one was watching. Slowly, a few people showed up. It grew and it grew. And then I realized, hey, YouTube's working really well. And I put even more time into it when I looked back at the analytics. So another piece of the puzzle, which I'm not sure if we'll get into is an email list. So for me, all my marketing that I do, my whole funnel is based on the email list. So I want people to consume content somewhere, podcast, YouTube, the blog, hopefully they like it and they want to get more information. So they sign up for the email list where eventually I will try to sell something. So that's how it works. I give away a ton of stuff for free. It's very generous from a, uh, you know, the percentage that I charge for versus what I give out for free. Mm -hmm. And eventually I'll, I'll make an offer. So I realized that YouTube was converting to my email list by a a huge factor more than anything else. It was something like 5X any of the other traffic. Now it was a smaller slice, but people that on YouTube were really engaged and they liked what I was doing. So they would sign up for the email list. Eventually some small portion of those folks that wanted to take it to the next level, they would buy my course. So that's how the whole marketing funnel works. And that is why I added YouTube in, t- in there. From data, I knew it was converting well, and I knew that people were buying my courses. No, that's perfect. And it, um, people always want to know about monetization. Um, how does content create money for you? For the last several years, I've made essentially a full-time income from affiliate marketing, that piece, that niche site piece. So about half the money is affiliate marketing niche website sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I also have courses. So from the get-go, probably within the first six months or so, I decided I was going to start a niche site project and I wanted to document what I was doing. But I also knew that I wanted to have my own products. I knew for a fact, even though I don't have 
strong entrepreneurship interest. I, I wasn't looking for side hustles or any of these things when I started in 2013. I was just a content worker bee. And I was like, oh, this looks interesting. I'm going to give it a shot. Mm -hmm. So somehow I made a smart move and I thought I'm going to sell my own products. For the last, I guess, five years, I've made over six figures from my courses each year, each year over six figures. So that is also a full-time income. That's amazing. I've created a few websites, which I've sold. I've, I've kept some, I've sold a couple. I've sold two for over six figures over that time span and pretty good money. And I also make some affiliate income from niche side and from youtube and the podcast they all i all sort sort of treat it as one thing so yes. i i repurpose content i hit the same topics i sometimes have the same interview on youtube as on the podcast mm -hmm. so i can recommend products which is cool i don't recommend that many because i i'm one of the i'm one of the people who I'm not trying to sell you stuff so much. I want to sell my stuff, Yeah. but I'll talk very truthfully and basically just talk shit about products. If yeah. I don't like a certain thing, I'll say it. And that's not the best thing for affiliate marketing, but I still make decent money with affiliate marketing. And depending on the month, I would say it's a, a few thousand dollars per month from affiliate marketing, which is pretty amazing. And then yeah. a byproduct is... I can do ads on my YouTube channel and the podcast, which I have a modest size channel. I have a modest podcast as far as the number of downloads, but it's a very targeted audience that does make purchases. Mm -hmm. So I've been able to kind of think just the ballpark for an average live stream slash podcast I'm getting, you know, a couple thousand dollars of sponsorship, which absolutely floors me because again, I have a fairly modest size podcast. Now, I don't know how that pans out exactly for my, my sponsors, but I, this is totally uh, behind the curtain. I haven't told anyone this. Mm -hmm. So essentially I don't have any like fixed rates because my podcast is so small that it wouldn't even hit the radar for any sponsors. But yeah. if people approach me, I've just tested different amounts. So anytime someone approaches, I make it higher and higher. Same thing with sponsored videos on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I'm just testing to see how much some companies will pay. And if it's my friends, of course, I, I mean, I'm treating them properly and you know, we'll chat it out. But if it's some random company, that maybe has a big budget and they're working with a marketing company and they don't know me and I don't know them. Yeah. I'll test it out and see what the market is supporting. And it's alarming what the market's supporting right now for yeah. a small channel like mine. It's um it's crazy to think, isn't it, that you know, you can realistically sit at home, you can talk about something that is, you know, really close to you, something that you've done for years, and people will put money in front of you because you're talking about something you really enjoy. You're 100% right. It's it's very cool to look at the kind of work that I do now. And I want to emphasize too, it's it's really important for people, especially as you're growing, to make sure you're working on the stuff that you want to work on. It's very easy to have a company offer you money 
and then you realize you're doing some work that you don't want to do. And that happened to me in the last six months. It was a company that I did a little work for before. We had partnered in some capacity. And essentially what happened was they were trying to micromanage what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't like that at all. And I tried to let them know, but they really didn't back off. And that's the last deal. I made good money and they made good money money asked me a few more times to work with them i'm not going to work with them again because i don't i don't need to do it and i didn't enjoy someone micromanaging the emails that i was going to send out to be really specific they wanted to proofread the emails and my audience the many thousands of people that want to get the emails from me they like the way i write it they don't mm-hmm. want some bullshit sales copy from no. some uh, partner that they don't know. So yeah, they're, they're gone. I'm not going to work with them anymore. So just a cautionary tale, you know, be sure you're working on what you want to work on. It's easy to make decisions based on the wrong reasons. So that made me take a step back and realize that either I'm hard to work with, or I should <laughs> d- double check and just make sure that I'm working on the things that I want to work on. Yeah. For anybody looking in thinking um, that they want to, you know, pursue this kind of, um, career or pathway it's important to remember to stick to your guns and stick to the way you want to do it because you are the talent and you are the you know you're the driving force behind it so yeah no very good point you touched on it earlier um and i want to touch on it now i think content creators in general always try and think about the numbers and it's obviously a very numbers heavy game for yourself included because obviously it's now your full-time income and you have to worry about the numbers um, so have you ever looked or has there ever been a time where the numbers have started decreasing or they've gone really high and it's affected the way that you have been away from the camera? Early on, I was successful pretty quickly. I think the first retail season that I experienced was back in 2013 and I had a site that made over $6,000 and I it was also a month where I released my first ebook. So that was another couple thousand bucks, which was more than I earned from my full-time job. So I thought this is perfect. I'm going to be able to quit maybe next month. Maybe it's a little bit farther, but this is going to be great. The next month, the January after that, my site got penalized by Google mm-hmm. and my traffic went down. Back in those days, it was sort of standard practice to do things that Google didn't like. It's what everyone was teaching. And that's from the people that I learned from, like Spencer Hawes at Niche Pursuits and Pat Flynn at Smart Passive Income. These are these were the people to learn from in yeah. those days. Mm-hmm. They, they teach different stuff now, but it was just what we did. And my site got penalized and my revenue went way down. So I had to sort of rebuild from the, the ground up and, and start over. And that happened another couple times, although I don't think I reached the heights of that kind of revenue, but I was still making say $1,500, $2,000 per month. And then I had another issue where traffic went down and my revenue went down. So in each case, I just brushed myself off, regrouped, I was fortunate to have the full-time job. So my back wasn't against the wall. I didn't have to make any, I guess, bad decisions Mm -hmm. just based on that revenue going down. So I was able to to rebuild and regroup. And that's actually 
one of the things that I'm known for is the keyword golden ratio. That is about keyword research and long tail keywords. So but probably beyond the scope of what we're talking about today, but people can check it out if they want more traffic to their site, keyword golden ratio. And the keyword golden ratio came out of one of those periods when I, I was bottomed out and I didn't know what to do. So I thought I'm going to do something that's completely different than what I've been trying before. So I went for long tail keywords instead of keywords that have a lot more searches out there. So that worked out really well. Through some of my courses and some of the work that I've done, I've made really good money, more than I thought that I could make in, you know, if I would have stuck with a corporate job for 25 more years, I yeah. don't think I could have made that amount of money mm -hmm. in a single year. And wow. it's been a, a ton of work, a lot of iteration, redoing th things over and over and over again. And I've had some good launches where I've made, you know, a, a full year salary in a week. It's very cool. And you, you hear about those stories, but there, it's always a lot of work behind them. Mm -hmm. so no, no one, no one get, get the wrong idea there. Yeah. And the other part, which I'm not, I'm not sure if you ran across the content that I've created around financial independence, mm -hmm. but I'm also very interested in that area. And I'm not a, I'm not a big um, proponent of, maybe that's not the right word, but some people are really obsessed with financial independence, retire early, the yeah. FIRE movement. And I'm interested in certain aspects of it. I think entrepreneurs end up having similar values as people that are in the FIRE movement. And I, I usually just look at it as financial independence. So as I have accumulated money and my, my wife still works and as we're accumulating money, we have made very conservative but smart decisions by investing in index funds. So mm -hmm. we're not financial advisors or anything. So this is just for entertainment purposes and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But index funds are fairly safe. And essentially, at some point, I realized, my wife and I realized, hey, we don't have to work forever. We're, we're doing pretty good. And you can stop. So as time has gone on, again, back to that point, like, am I working on stuff that I want to work on? I know I want to keep working, but I can be really selective. I can guard my time really well. And every opportunity that comes across my desk, I don't have to take it. In fact, I can say no to most of them. And that's probably the right move. If I don't need the extra money, mm -hmm. then why am I doing it? Is it making me happier? Is it anything. Sometimes it's just noise. A lot of it is really just noise. So the answer is yes. I've definitely looked at changing what I'm doing because I can tell you for sure. And I've said this on my podcast and on my YouTube channel, mm -hmm. when you talk about the same thing for five years in a row, it gets a little boring. It gets yeah. a little boring to say the same stuff over and over again. I do live streams every week. And if I answer the same question, sometimes twice in the same live stream, well, that does get a little boring. Now imagine that over the course of a couple of years. Yes. So I am shifting into things that I'm interested in. And if I don't need to have the same kind of audience, right? If I don't need to have the same sort of new, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but 
if I can shift into things that I'm interested in, then I'll, I'll gently shift into things I'm interested in. I haven't pulled the plug on anything for sure because I still like, and I'm actually, I still have some newer websites that have started, but at the same time, I realize, Hey, am I working on something that I want to work on? Yeah. And if the answer is no, then I need to change something. Cause that's, I mean, I can't blame anyone besides myself. Um, for people to find out, you know, where you are and where your contact's based at, um, where can they find you? Sure. I would direct people to their favorite medium. So if you like podcasts, then you can find the Doug show on the big podcast directory. Then I'm on YouTube. YouTube, you can find tons of video. Join me for a live stream sometime. I'm there usually every Wednesday is when I'm doing them right now. And I have, I think I have like over 1200 videos right now. So you should be able to find something <laughs> that you're interested in yeah. on the channel. And yeah, I have the blog too. So if you like the written word, nichesiteproject.com and definitely sign up for the email list. I'll send you all my templates and systems and kind of guide you in the right direction for uh, some of my content, whether it's a video or a blog post or whatever. So yeah, you can find everything Amazing. out there. Doug, thank you very much. And um, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. It's really good. So I really appreciate it. And hopefully we can speak again soon. Thank you.